welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I prefer not to disclose, back to the Undressing Underground podcast with Boris Karloff, who won't leave me alone, and Kittens Unicorns, the real kitten here. That sounds weird, but I'm keeping it. <laughs> Why are you looking at me? Just, just talk about, who are you talking to? I'm just doing that thing right now where it blows everything down underwater. Oh, weird. And so I was just confused. Like, oh, I don't know when to talk because it's stalling. Oh, okay. Um, but hello. <laughs> and today I talked to Ms. Jenkins, longtime Gawker commenter. Um, and uh, I guess one thing I wanted to say is that you can tell that we have t- that we're two separate people <laughs> with two separate voices. Um, I am Korean, and Ms. Jenkins is half Korean and half black, and for some reason, some, some moron <laughs> in the uh, sphere is like, has this conspiracy theory that we're the same person. What I bothered mean. me is like 30 people also starred that comment. I'm like, what are these <laughs> fools that also think so? I mean, but to, we're be f- to be fair, you could have just found a random person to talk to and claim to be Ms. Jenkins. I mean, I guess. I mean, she also has <laughs> phone number and her email. But... Yeah, but unless you're going to give out her phone number and email. <laughs> they don't know that. Oh, uh, but also, I also had to cut out a significant portion of our call because it was initially an hour and a half, but then I received criticism that it should be cut down to, like, 45 to 55 <laughs> minutes, which is a fair criticism. So I tried to cut it down to 55 minutes. So what you guys didn't get to hear are things like that Ms. Je- uh, Jenkins is taking boxing and what else. Um, I just have to take a random little bit, but I wanted to keep so much in. Um, I also wanted to say on the final question, the one that like everyone is choked on. Is that okay to say? I mean, the yeah. one that everyone struggled with. Yeah, um, this makes sense. That it seems like, <laughs> like she got the answer right away but i actually edited all of that out like (laughs) the parts where she uh, didn't really answer the question and then uh all the pausing and so i just didn't want anybody to feel bad about if they did (laughs) and finally finally yes if you guys didn't know on our um on the uu webpage oh the interesting underground page yeah um I usually highlight, I always highlight one of the Gawker commenters' comments, right? Like one, And they usually have a lot of stars on there, or it's like insightful or honest or something. And um, I think, and so I think that Ms. Jenkins has a reputation of like going hard on people sometimes, but I think she also is really, really funny. And so I chose a comment of hers that surpassed a thousand stars. And so I think that in itself is like choreography. We all know this. Come on. Yeah. And so I wanted to highlight her comment that had a, over a thousand stars. So kudos to you, Ms. Jenkins, on that. And um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I guess if um, I guess if people wanted, we could give them a little bit of the stuff you cut out, a little bit of the bonus material, if uh, they want to leave us a review or send us money or whatever. <laughs> okay. Just like support the podcast somehow, and just or just tell us you did, and we'll believe you, and we'll send you a little bonus thing of her. Yeah, Rob will. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So. Okay.
I'm with the uh, Ken's unicorns talking to herself, aka Miss Jenkins. <laughs> Hello, I'm going to call Miss Jenkins right now. Hello. Hi, Miss Jenkins. Hello. Hi, this is Kansas Unicorns. Can you hear me all right? I sure can. Excellent. Okay. Sorry. Thanks for being so patient. Am um, I being recorded yet? Oh, yes. You're is definitely... Is this on the record? This is on the record. <laughs> um, yeah. We start the call. Uh, how are you? Great. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Well, I guess my first question is, um, uh, what is the origin of your Gawker username? And what is your avatar? The origin of my Gawker username um, is actually first my Jezebel username because I started out on Jezebel. Um, it is from an In Living Color skit, uh, which I guess I'm old, so I remember that sort of thing. I, I remember In Living Color. Okay, yeah. Uh, sketch comedy show, Wayne's Brothers, back in the 90s, possibly the best sketch comedy show ever. Um, and there was a character named Benita Betrell, who was Kim, Kim Wayans in some rollers, uh, leaning out her window, just being like that chick on the block, gossiping about all the people in the neighborhood. Um, and at the end of each skit, it was like a recurring skit, and at the end of each skit, Somebody would, she would come, uh, she would, she would have talked shit about everybody on the block and then she would get to Miss Jenkins and she would say, oh, but nobody better talk about Miss Jenkins. I love Miss Jenkins. And then, but then she would be like, but actually, you know, her toes smell funky and whatever, but I'm not one to gossip, so you ain't heard it from me. And when I was, so when I first joined Jezebel, got on Jezebel and started commenting and thinking about a gawker name. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wasn't really familiar with it, but I was trying to imagine, like, okay, what's this environment going to be like with a bunch of women on a gossip blog? And that was immediately the shit that came to mind. <laughs> you know, all, ha, 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 last jokes, fun and games. Oh, I love that person until they say something I don't like. I'm going to talk shit about them. But, you know, I'm not one to gossip, so you ain't heard it from me. That's um, awesome. And I, I think that some of my comments would be controversial, and that was probably some of the treatment I would get, so it just seemed <laughs> appropriate. And the avatar picture, I literally Google image searched Miss Jenkins. Oh, yeah? And For some reason, I thought yeah. it was your grandma or something, which that wouldn't, I, that wouldn't even make sense. She, she looked like she's, that's, that's, that's Miss Jenkins. That's Miss Jenkins. I actually don't know who she is. But that's that's Ms. Jenkins. That's that's the kindly that's the kindly lady down the street. That's you know. Why did you start these are the people in your neighborhood online? Like why did you? So you said you started on Jazz first. Um, are you still yeah. on? Well, we'll we'll get to like other things about Jazz in a bit. But so why did you like what compelled you to go from like lurker to be like oh I gotta create an account and comment here? Um, I think I wanted to comment right away. I'm a talker. Uh, <laughs> an opinion, and I had never. This is my first foray into the blogosphere since, like, you know, the olden days of AOL chat rooms. Right. So I was kind of like, oh yeah, I'll do this. I didn't lurk for very long. I was just kind of like, let me see what this is about. Kind of informally, and it just snowballed from there. 
Interesting. Um, do you do you comment more on Gawker now, or do you are you still on Jezebel? No, I definitely, I definitely, I only comment on Jezebel now when something gets cross-posted to Gawker. I see. Um, do you think there's a difference with the communities? I don't think I've ever asked anyone, so you will be the first person I'm asking. What's the difference in the between the Gawker Interesting. community and Jezebel? Definitely. Community? I mean, I think it's, I think it's as simple as it's very different having a conversation in a room full of only women mm-hmm. as opposed to a room in mixed company. For, for all the reasons online, same reasons online as in real life, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a fair way to think of it. I, I guess there are a few, I guess there are a few dudes on Jezebel, but for the most part, I would say it's like majority women. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, it's a pretty, I mean, it's a pretty female-dominated space. I mean, I think that's the idea, right? Mm-hmm. And it seems like most of the men, except for, you know, the random MRA trolls who pop up, I think most of the men who are actually involved in commenting in that space are respectful of that, it mm-hmm. seems like. So it's, I, I think, you know. Do you think men should so comment man on is, Jezebel? Like, I've seen that theory presented on Jez from uh, Jez commenters. Um, not all, you know, but there was a few that suggested that men shouldn't be, like, shouldn't talk in this women's space? Um, I won't say shouldn't talk, but should defer. Because hmm. that's the point of a women's space exclusively. I mean, I've got, I've honestly got some questions about why there needs to be a women's space exclusively, but, you know, there, there's a reason for it. Um, I'm sure there are definitely benefits, um, but it's sort of that same, it's sort of, you know, the whole argument about self-segregation in any community, like, are we helping ourselves or hurting ourselves? Do we really want to set ourselves apart, but we need a safe space? So, I mean, I think it's good that it's that safe space, and as long as it's going to exist and have any benefit, then I think it needs to remain that safe space, and in order for it to do so, then yeah, I think men sort of need to be part of the they can volunteer some opinions, ask questions, whatever. And it's obviously depending on the issue, right? Like, I mean, if we're talking about Taylor Swift, I think everybody's opinion is equally valid unless it really, you know, addresses some aspect of femininity or feminism or whatever. But, you know, if, when it comes to women talking about women's issues or issues that affect women uniquely, then, yeah, I think clearly that's the time for men to fall back and listen. Hmm. So, okay. Why do you like commenting? Or how about this? Why do you, what do you get out of it? And what do you hope to contribute to the conversation? Like what's Miss Jenkins perspective that she brings to Gawker? Well, what I get out of it, um, is really, um, well, a little bit of boredom relief at work, which I think we can all mm-hmm. say, or, you know, school, whatever we're doing during the day, it's entertaining. Um, as a lawyer also, I think it's as far as uses of my downtime, um, arguing rhetorical debate, keeping my skills sharp. Um, that's always useful. I'm not a trial lawyer yet. I have never gone to trial, but I think if I ever do, mm-hmm. uh, after many, many years of commenting on Gawker, I think not, I mean, the populations do skew, I think probably upper middle class and white or middle class and white. Um, but not, I still think, I still think it was. Oh, ha, ha, hi, hi, you button. just dropped out. Um, sorry, my That's bad. 
Uh, what was the last part you heard? Um, TLDR. Um, commenting on Gawker sharpens my rhetorical debate skills yes. and helps me gauge how certain arguments will land with broad segments of. Interesting. So you are. T- it's like you're. You test out. You test out the audience. I wouldn't say that I necessarily test out the audience in terms of like, let's see, you know, I mean, sometimes I do, but I think, but I think about it. I mean, that's part of being a lawyer, part of thinking like a lawyer, what they train you to do in law school is to, is to engage in rhetorical debate. Um, and so, yeah, I make, I make my arguments in good faith, but yeah, sometimes I will, sometimes I will. Feel- Hello, Miss Jenkins. What did you say? Sometimes you will. <sighs> um, I said over over the years I have I have seen you know a lot of the same issues come up again and again and again and again, um, and over the years I've gotten a sense not only from my writing my own comments but reading other people's comments, seeing you know how many things get replied to, seeing how many things, how many stars something gets. I have a sense of how framing an argument you know in one way versus another way how that'll resonate and who it'll resonate with and who it won't. Um, so yeah, I think that would be, I think, I mean, I'm speculating, but I think that would be really interesting if it came to, if it ever came to a trial, even, uh, maybe especially in the voir dire context, figuring out who to try to, uh, reject from a jury. Um, but I think at this point, like sometimes, you know, somebody will, somebody will write a comment. It'll be like early Mm -hmm. when an article goes up. And the second you see it, you're like, oh, here comes the shitstorm. <laughs> you know, you just know. Uh, and you know what all the arguments are going to be, and you know exactly which type of people are going to pick on it. And so, if you know, if you're trying to pull a jury and figure out, like, who are your people who lean this way on an issue? Who are your people who lean that way on an issue? Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting um, exercise. Uh, commenting, commenting in these internet forums with this huge cross section of people is an interesting exercise engaging, you know, sort of the temperature of of a big cross section of people on various issues. No, that's definitely true. Like I said, mind. I think it skews. Yeah, okay. I think it skews educated and and middle to upper middle class. Right. Definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah. So I take that into account. Um, but in terms of, and I mean, that's not like a formal, I'm not actually doing it for my job. Sometimes, sometimes I just rationalize the fact that I comment on Gawker so much with the fact that like, oh, this is relevant to my work. Can we talk about your article, um, how you created, um, burner accounts on Jezebel to do like an experiment? Sure. Okay, so the article is called African American History X, Miss Jenkins, Jezebel, and the Banning of Black Thought. Um, you can find it on Miss Jenkins' Kinja profile and give it a read. I liked it. Um, it's, a, it's her social experiment on Jezebel, so can you explain to us, like, uh, what you did and what happened, what you found out? <laughs> yeah, so basically, um, I had been commenting on Jezebel for a year or so. I don't know, and change. Um, and I think I had been banned at that point, like twice, maybe? three times, uh, mostly by Tracy Egan Morrissey, um, maybe entirely by her. 
Um, and it was it was ridiculous. It had led to some. It had led to some. You know popular protests amongst the commentariat and you know there's a lot of debate about whether whether it was the right call or not um and at the time there was an underground uh message board chat room i guess it was a precursor to groupthink or maybe an offshoot of groupthink i'm not really sure um and a lot of the commenters who were there uh, were people of color um and or just sympathetic and we debated the issues there. And I think just sort of on my own, I decided that I was going to create this alter ego. Uh, I mean, basically, it's not that of an experience that I've had in just my regular real life as, as a woman of color that there are certain arguments that I can't make. There are certain tones that I can't adopt. Otherwise, the white people freak out. Interesting. And it's a double standard. It's a very clear double standard. Hmm. Um, and in order to highlight that double standard, I figured, well, what if I commented as a white person and said all sorts of just backwards, ignorant, offensive shit, because, I mean, it really wasn't that much of a reach. There were plenty of commenters on Jezebel who, you know, made blindly racist arguments or just, you know, didn't, you know, check their tone or what have you, called out editors directly to their face. Hmm. I think Jessica Cohen is the so-and-so, whatever. And no banning. No banning. And and like I said, it's no different than the double standard in real life. You know, we've seen tons of studies showing that children of color tend to be disproportionately uh, disciplined in school. Um, and with the whole <laughs> Black Lives Matter and all the, uh, all the protests that are happening around the country, I mean, we're having a dialogue about the fact that black people get punished more for the same offenses. We get sentenced longer for the same crimes. Um, so I wanted to prove it. So I created this alter ego uh, with some input from my friends uh, in, in our underground chat room, just so that they knew I didn't want to upset other people of color with my, with my horrible racist comments. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to give them a heads up about what was going on. And, you know, they played into it. And in fact, I posted for weeks purposely incendiary, terrible, ignorant, just stupid comments about all sorts of things. And I was certainly taken to task by other commenters for it. Um, you know, there were a lot of, I got, I got a lot of booze from, from the peanut gallery, but I was never banned. And this is Darling Becky. And this is, yeah, this is Darling Becky. This is the, the short, the short and miraculous life of darling Becky and I mean I, I don't know I kind of I thought it was a little bit obvious just from the screen name mm -hmm. <laughs> that yeah. like this is an obvious this is this is let me pose as a precious snowflake and see if somebody tells me I can't say whatever the fuck I want and they didn't nobody and ever told you, you like no one ever told you your perspective wasn't welcome but they do do that not nobody on the Jezebel editorial board absolutely not Certainly, certainly other people, like I said, certainly other people in the commentary were like, what the hell, what's wrong with you? 
Um, but there were also, but there were also people who supported me. There were also people who argued right along with me. They're like, yeah, well, you should be able to say the N word if they can say it. Oh my God. And I mean, really, I just regurgitated every stupid (laughs) racist argument that I had heard on Jezebel in the past two years prior, which is why I knew exactly how it would work out. Um, can you talk to, what about Ms. X though? Cause you said that, didn't you also create Ms. X at the same time as Darling Becky? Did. Um. You, what, what, you, <laughs> what I have for Ms. X is it says, um, that she would espouse concepts that are mainstream in black America, but she was way more strident on a number of other issues. And that the only time that Ms. X was ever silenced was when the topic of the offending comment had to do with race. Yep. So can you give yeah. me some? Can you give me like an example, I guess, or um, what do you mean by like strident on more issues? And then what do you? It mean? was it was it was a while ago, but basically, I think what I did with Ms. X. So the point of that whole experiment was to prove that it's not it's not only that black people are dis- disproportionately silenced and more harshly policed for their views. But specifically, when it comes to issues of race, we get shot down completely. Um, And so with Ms. X, you know, I'd wait for an article to come up and I would say something impolitic about, say, transgender people or, you know, something that goes totally against whatever, you know, the dominant feminist party line on Jezebel that, you know, everybody's going to support, you know, all all of the traditional counter arguments well what about the short skirt she was wearing and I would get again I would get booed I would get jeered but it wasn't until I made comments on race that I got banned and completely shut down by the actual moderators of the forum and again it was no it was no it was no surprise to me. And, the, and the main reason that I did it beyond my just my own you know entertaining myself I suppose um, but you know when you try to make these arguments especially to a lot of white people they don't want to believe that it happens well but what about your tone well but maybe it's not that bad well no but I'm sure but other people get banned too and so I went out to distinct I, I set up to distinctly set up a set up conditions in which I controlled for everything else hmm. and then just let whiteness white, and it did. Can we talk about tone really quick? Sure. Okay. Tone and policing tone um, for women of color. What's your experiences? Um, My experiences that women of color, people of color, get their tone policed far more than white people. Um, Just like we see a difference between boys and girls in the classroom and men and women in the workplace, you know, a man speaks up for himself. He's being, you know, forceful and a leader and taking the bull by a horn. The woman does it. She's a bitch. It's pretty much the exact same double standard with regards to race. Is it, would you say, do you, uh, is there, would you, do you experience that at work as well? Um, no, I don't experience at work. I am fortunate now to work for a firm that is majority female and minority, oh. uh, which is <laughs> which is huge. I mean, it really is a night and day change um, in just the tone of the workplace. 
I would say the way it comes up in the workplace most for me or did previously is my own second guessing of my ability to speak up and how it'll be received. And I have to say that experiments like what I did with Tony Becky and his ex um, and just reactions on soccer things in general sometimes and just my experiences in life tell me it's not entirely paranoia. Um, but, you know, it's, it's hard to know when, and it's part of the struggle, it's hard to know when you should speak up, when you shouldn't speak up, exactly how to couch it so that, you know, the white people don't get scared. Um, sometimes it doesn't matter how you couch it. It just, they just don't like the topic. They don't like the fact that you spoke up at all, but sometimes you need to speak up. And so it's really, it's really difficult, um, when to navigate that sometimes. What is something that you've said? What's something you've said that someone would tell you like that? They heard what you were saying, but they didn't like your tone. Does Is it usually regarding race? I mean, I think so, but... Yes, it is usually regarding race. It's usually regarding... It's almost always regarding race. It's usually regarding... <laughs> Any sort of any sort of demand for recognition or equal dignity, which you know is something that people tend to speak about with conviction, like, "Hey, I would like you to not oppress me. Hey, this is not okay. You know, erasing me from this space is not okay. You know, putting these unfair stand racist standards onto me is not okay. No, there's no middle ground where it's kind of okay, and maybe I could no, it's not okay." And I shouldn't be expected to sit here and very patiently, tolerantly, in a calm tone of voice, say, please don't oppress me. Like, no. That's very first no, yeah. Nobody else is expected to do that. Well, how do you respond to these people then when they, when they say things like, mm, I didn't like you, what you're saying has validity, but I really didn't like your tone. So how, how would you respond? In real life or yeah, sure. How about okay, both, both, because I think they would be different. Um... Well, in real life, I avoid these situations as much as possible. Oh, why? Um, that would probably be the main difference between my online persona and my real life persona is that online I can take that filter off. Hmm. You know, in, in the real world, I depend on a lot of professional connections and friendships and, you know, various things. Um I try to surround myself as much as possible with like-minded people to begin with so that these issues don't come up. Um, when they do and when I have to, I will argue stridently. But I think I argue stridently enough and well enough and forcefully enough that, frankly, I mean, a lot of the debates that I have online with people and a lot of the, well, I don't like your tone and blah, 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 you wouldn't say that to my face. I know because nobody says that to my face. Um, it's a lot easier for people to do online. Right. Um, I guess because they have their filters off too. Mm -hmm. I think probably in real life they're thinking it, but they're like, ooh, you're a scary black woman, but I'm just going to shut down and not say anything and silently judge you. Um, but yeah, online, online, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> Because I, there's no need, there's no need to correct my tone. Because the issue, I, it's, and it's not about me. It's not about my ego. It's really, it's about, it's about the underlying issue. And I do um, have a lot of conviction when it comes to, you know, advocating for justice and human rights. It's part of the reason I'm a lawyer. 
um, there's there's no reason to pussyfoot around it. And, you know, I've been told at times, well, it's not productive. Um, but I think anybody who's read my comments for any decent amount of time um, will see that, I mean, there, I think there's a time and a place. And, again, as a lawyer, I think I have a fairly good grasp of what is an appropriate tone. If somebody seems like they're willing to listen, I don't mind educating. I don't mind having a calm, rational discussion. Um, but it gets to a certain point. Thing, one of the, I, I think one of the biggest problems, and you asked me earlier, like, sort of what what my voice on, like, why I felt I needed to comment, what I was, my role was, or what I was trying to get across. Um, white people don't get told no enough. They really don't. White people don't get forcefully told, like, no, that's not okay. Black people, people of color all the time, you can't go here. You know, we don't like the smell of your food in our office refrigerator. Like, your hair is funky. This isn't okay. You can't sit at our lunch table constantly. Um, there are no standards enforced on white people in reverse. Nobody ever gets to get up in real life in white people's face and be like, no, this, this is bullshit. Change your attitude. And somebody needs to. Because <laughs> white America needs to change its attitude on a lot of things. And it's not okay. When white people are reading about black experiences online and I mean, the, it, when people are writing about their own personal experiences, it's fair to say that it will be heated. And if, if someone who is white reads it and gets upset or defensive, what would you like to tell them? Somebody who is reading about my black experience and getting defensive? Yeah, like maybe they are, um, like, not yours, but any, I guess anyone's black experience, like in a comment section, right? And then... Like, okay, I can think of a, I can think of a recent one on Salad Bowl. I posed the question, or somebody posed the question, um, do white women have a role in the natural hair movement? I think one thing, one issue that comes up a lot is... I think a lot of white people feel like they need to be heard on these issues and they right. get very offended when you won't hear them. Um, I have heard that argument though, not about hair issues, but like that they're, they feel like their opinion doesn't count. Why can't uh, I have an opinion just because I'm not black? No, not just because you're not black, but because you don't know what you're talking about. You know, there was a recent NPR study, I think, that showed something like 98% of white Americans don't have one black friend. Why suddenly are you an authority on my life? How? What, what could you possibly have to say? I mean, just make it, take it back away from race because that makes people feel anxious for some reason. But look at it in terms of any other issue, would you barge into your grandma's nursing home and demand to be heard on the issue of what it's like to lose a spouse and face aging? Well, why can't I have an opinion just because I'm 23? Yes, exactly. Because you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Why would you not let the people who know what they're talking about talk and listen? Why do you think that your perspective is valid? But the answer is because society constantly tells white people their perspective is valid about everything. True. I've told, I guess I've told some of my white friends it's not that their opinion isn't 
valid, but it's just, it's always there. It's always like, that's the opinion that is of the majority. And so we're like, we're, I don't know. I can't, I'm not really explaining myself very well, but uh, the, I guess we're- The majority is uninformed. It really comes down to, in, it really comes down to information. I will accept an informed opinion mm-hmm. from anybody. If you actually know what you're talking about on an issue, if you have a valid perspective based on experiential knowledge to share, okay. But 99 times out of 100 on issues of race, white people don't have an informed opinion. They've never had to deal with these issues. They don't have to think about these issues. They've never been around anybody who's had to deal with these issues. They've heard about them in the abstract. And so they think they know something, but I don't know how you could possibly put that up against experiential knowledge. I mean, to go back to my previous analogy, I guess I have an idea of what I've broken up with people. I've had people I love die. So I might have an idea of what it's like to be widowed, but I wouldn't go into a room full of octogenarians and demand equal time and insist that my viewpoint was as valid as theirs. How could it possibly be? That's a good point. Um, I wanted to ask you, though, on that note, on that subject, Hamilton Nolan went to Howard University, and he does, I mean, mm, I'm. it's so, uh, subjective, like, how involved he is in black politics, but what was your take, then, on his piece, his post about the Black Lives Matter um, protesters at the Bernie Sanders rally? Does he, does um, he know? My take was Jason Parham's take. <laughs> mm, okay. Just no. Just just no. Just no. And I think, you know, there's an issue of tones. We don't talk about white people's tone often enough. There is a way to make an argument, a counter-argument even, without being accusatory. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, that's where it went a little bit left. And also, it was just... White fragility. White fragility. Anybody who anybody who has not read the article, can't remember who read it, but it was excellent. On white fragility, needs to go read it immediately. Um, that article reeked of white, reeked, reeked of white fragility. And the thing is, you know, white people don't like to examine themselves. You know, anybody who's in the majority. You know, I keep harping on white people, but it's really it's an issue of being in the majority and being the default. And having your opinions catered to and never having them challenged, it makes you very comfortable, but it also means that your opinions are, haven't been rigorously tested and challenged. Um, you know, a lot of times black folks say, oh, you know, when you hear, I hear something like Hamilton Nolan, first of all, that whole debate had been going on on Twitter for at least two weeks, and I'd heard it already turned inside out from every possible angle, so it wasn't, it wasn't surprising. And I know... People like to think they're special snowflakes with their very own individual opinions, but, I mean, it's almost sickening <laughs> how much you hear the same repetitive drumbeat, um, the same repetitive rebuttal that are fallacious over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, just analogize to the men's rights activists if you're having a hard time. I'm sure they all think they have a very unique and special situation, but I brought her flowers, and but you don't understand. It's X, Y, and Z now. It's the same tired-ass argument that every other clueless MRE dude is giving us. 
the nuances that apply to your particular situation probably do not matter at all because fundamentally your logic is flawed. Um, and in Hamilton's article, you know, I just heard the liberal butthurt. They just reeked of liberal butthurt because, you know, he did go to Howard and I'm sure he considers himself much like Bernie Sanders, a friend of the Negro and, you know, aligned in the struggle. And so how dare you say we're not doing enough? Well, because you're not doing enough. Mm. Uh, it's, a, it's a simple as that. And maybe you don't like our tone. Maybe you don't like the way we said it. But see, yes, we're dying out here. We don't have time to check our tone. We, we're a little upset, believe it or not, that our friends and relatives are being killed willy-nilly for not having, you know, for not failing to turn turn on their turn signal and selling loose cigarettes at some time in the past. Like, that's upsetting. It's very hard to stay calm in the midst of that. Do you think white people can ever really understand racism? Yes. Hmm. Absolutely. Plenty do. And it's the ones who do that make me have zero patience with the ones who don't. Because there are plenty of people who get it. I mean, they might not always get it, mm -hmm. but they get it enough to know they don't get it. Fair and in those situations, they say, I don't get it. Please explain it to me, or why don't I listen, or why don't I go do some research and try to figure out how to get it? Um, you know, that's a thing that some people do. Um, so the ones who don't are basically just being self-indulgent and lazy. Or apathetic, or I don't know. Scared a lot of times, I think. I mean, I don't know how... I think... I don't know how... I guess... You see the same arguments like every day, you know, every day. And you wonder, is anybody learning? I mean, if you go back mm -hmm. and read a letter, the Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from a Birmingham jail mm -hmm. or anything that James Baldwin ever wrote, you would have to conclude the answer is no. Because <laughs> not only are we hearing the same things every day now, mm -hmm. these are the same arguments we were making in 1965 and long before that. I mean, if you're being honest, you have to understand how people are running out of patience and might have a bit of a short tone. No, I, I get it. Did I, what else? Can I ask you another question? <laughs> ask away. <laughs> well, okay, so let's just jump around. I'm sorry for if it's like, what goes from serious to light, but um, how about this? I'm drinking wine. You can ask me anything you want. Okay, nice. Um, who is your favorite Gawker writer then? Who is my favorite Gawker writer? Yeah, of all time. It, it, it could be anybody who has been there before. Oh my God, wait, can I tell you? I saw Tom Skoka outside of Gawker when I was in New York and he looks exactly like his avatar. Like exactly. <laughs> White, like kind of pinky skin and then like really pale blonde hair and he looked like he was like squinting at the sun just like his avatar. He's very recognizable, I know. Okay, so. Um, it's hard to say. I love Katie Weaver for her humor. Mm -hmm. I think she is the funniest thing to ever walk across Docker Media. I mean, just effortlessly fucking hilarious. Um, every day. Um, I have a weird internet crush of Max Reed. Oh my God, who doesn't? <laughs> he is super hot. Yeah. 
Yeah, and he's also just, he seemed he seemed reasonable. I mean, I won't even get into the whole weird mass exodus, that whole thing. I don't yeah. even, I super don't care about um, the politics <laughs> of Gawker at all. But, uh, but you know, the, the few times I had to deal with him, and I did a few times email him about bannings or various things, um, always super reasonable. And there are a few things that he wrote on race or that touched tangentially on race that just felt like he was edging toward the spectrum of like white people who get it. Like here's an opinion. That's, you know, that's what I'm saying about being, having an opinion, but not being accusatory. Like here's an opinion based on what I know. Here's what I also don't know. Here's what, you know, some of the other opinions are. And you know, this is an interesting issue we should talk about. Um, I think I take a little bit for granted as a lawyer sometimes. Like I said, we're trained in rhetorical debate. It's easy for me to argue from an academic standpoint dispassionately and in good faith. Um, I think race is, an, race is an issue that really gets people's emotions going. Yeah. And I think they have a hard time stepping back from it sometimes and just just looking at the issue without getting their emotions involved. And I think that's where a lot of things go south. That's, again, the article on white fragility says it all. I'm going to have to read that because... Oh, you um, haven't read it? I, don't, I might brilliant. have, oh, but I don't know. It's dead on. Okay. I mean, I'm going to bring up my example, which will lead us into an, the next question, but I guess... Uh, recently, um, a Gawker commenter was telling me how she thought Koreans are racist. And, like, for, you know, I was, like, felt all emotional suddenly. Like, wait, no, what? No, they're not. And then, you know, it took me a little bit to, like, t bring the emotions down and be like, you know, she's has a point. Yeah, girl. You know? Cor Koreans are racist. Yeah, you know, and it was just, like, I didn't want to admit it. And I well, think that's why I was but like, But I will Ugh. say this. I will yeah. say this. We are, we are almost equal opportunity haters. We're, we're elitist in general. <laughs> so if you guys don't know, Ms. Jenkins is half, uh, half black and half Korean. Yes, I am half Korean. Half black and half Korean. And no, my parents did not meet in the army uh, or in any sort of military capacity, which is a concept that people seem to really have trouble getting through their heads. Um, they, met, they met on the L train, on the red line in Chicago. Uh, my dad was in, they were both on summer break. My mom was in college. My dad was in grad school and he hollered and the rest <laughs> is history. I have actually, I actually have a weird, this is a weird random fact, right? I have a, an, an, I think abnormally high number of relatives who met their spouses on public transportation. I always, my whole life, I had hoped that that would happen to me. But it didn't. How about you? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm still hoping, girl. I'm still hoping. I'm so thirsty on the subway train in the morning. I'm like scanning the car, like that little bird from "Are You My Mother?" Like, are you my husband? Is it you? Can it be you? Um, it's kind of, it's kind of sad. And then, no, I think it would be it's like the most natural place to meet someone. Like in a club or a bar, it's so unnatural. And I guess. If you're sitting next to each other, you could be like, oh, what are you looking at? I mean, it doesn't, it seems the most uncreepy, platonic, that could lead to something more type of way. What? Yeah. I also read it through your Kinja profile that you said that, so you do, you can't read Korean? Or can you, you can't, can you speak some? I mean, like, I can sound out letters. <laughs> okay. 
it, it'll take me forever. Like I know the alphabet, mm. but yeah, my mom, so my mom is also, again, to defy stereotypes. Um, mom moved here when she was eight. Mm. Um, she was a high school cheerleader. She went to SUNY Buffalo. She moved to California. She has no accent. She's basically Margaret Cho. Every, every time I say that, people are like, oh, like Margaret Cho's mom. I'm like, no, <laughs> like Margaret Cho. <laughs> my mom is like, she's like the Korean Kathy Lee and Hoda. She's kind of a, <laughs> I don't really know how to describe her. She's Margaret Cho. Um, so, yeah, I didn't, wait, how did that come up? When your, my train of thought. When your mom married your dad, was you, your mom's Korean, I'm assuming your mom is Korean, right? Yeah. My mom's Korean. Yeah, my mom's Korean. So, yeah, uh, okay. So, the how did your mom's family receive your dad? Were they like arms wide open? Oh, not well, but for many reasons. He was also much older. Mm. She also dropped out of school her last year, her last semester of college, to run off to California with him. Uh, oh. She was 19. Mm. They were against it for a number of reasons. And probably legitimately so. <laughs> but it worked out in the end. No. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, well. not at all. I mean, I'm here. True. But, uh, yeah, it didn't go well for very long. Um, which is why I was saying possibly legitimate reason. <laughs> no, but, I yeah, see. no, they were never, they were never, I mean, I was young and we lived thousands of miles away because my parents ran off to California. Mm. Both, both, both sides of the family are in Chicago, greater Chicago I see. land area. Uh, but my parents ran off to California to have their 70s interracial love child. Um, How did your dad's family react to your mom? Um, <laughs> no. I mean, <laughs> they didn't react. I think they're too polite for that. But it was different. I think a lot of times, well, and I think they also probably didn't like her for legitimate reasons to the extent they even spent that much time around her because like I said they ran off um I don't know I don't know I, mean, I was not born or a baby so I don't know I don't really talk about it I don't know how much uh benefit of the doubt they gave their families or you know in terms of whether or not they would be accepting um they like I said they kind of moved away and did their own thing um, so, but I will say, I get the sense with a lot of black Americans, middle-class, regular Negroes, that black people view Asian people a lot of times as like Smurfs or something like, it's a very, Smurfs? there is, there is, no, there is racism. It's interesting because then you have like, there's a weird subset of like, black dudes who are super into martial arts and anime and shit. But there's this, there's very much an otherness there. There's very much an otherness there. Like Spanish people, we might not always get along. We might be pitted against each other by the majority, whatever, whatever. But black people I can halfway understand Spanish people. There's also a lot of, I think, racial mixing there, mm -hmm. a lot more than with Asians. Um, there's some, there's, there's more, there's more affinity. There's more understanding. It seems like, whereas, whereas, unless, except for you know the generation, the men who went overseas in the 20th century and were fought in the Pacific Wars or were stationed there in the military, 
there is a whole, it's just a whole lot of bewilderment and otherness and like, oh, isn't that interesting? But at the same time, it's all like, I don't know, funny little ching chong people. I don't know what they're saying. Their food is weird. Hmm. Like under the surface, you know? <laughs> uh, which is, I mean, no better, no worse than what comes at them from the other side. So, but I definitely felt it. Definitely felt the tension. I know the Korean side of my family, once I went to law school, I was in like one. <laughs> I mean, really once I, really, once I went to an Ivy League college, mm. I was, they were like, oh, yeah, word, one of us. And then once I went to law school, and I spend the most time with my grandmother, so I think I'm currently bat- batting favorite among the cousins I, I think on the so. Korean side. Are you kidding me? You went to Ivy League yeah. and law school, and you spend the most time with your grandma? Like, you're gold. Right? Yeah. Right? I'm gold. I'm gold. Like, I fly in for the weekend to see her sometime and, like, cook with her and listen to her. Yeah. I'm cold. <laughs> yeah, everything's cool now. Do you want to go visit Korea? I'm going in March. Yeah. It's awesome. I have uh, one of my cousins who grew up with me in Chicago. Is stationed. He works for the State Department. He's stationed over there for two years. And my little sister teaches English. Uh, English history and English? Uh, seventh and eighth grade. Um, through TFA in Hawaii. So she's oh. kind of close. Um, shorter flight for her than me, for sure. So uh, our birthdays are both in the spring. I'm a spring break baby, so we're going to try to do it for spring break. That is so awesome. Are you going to go to Seoul? Yep. <laughs> I'm quite certain. On that note, let me ask you... Be a good trip. Um, I want to ask you two more questions. Is that okay? Sure. I always, I always ask if that's okay, because it's like a really bad habit I do as a woman, I think. But um, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> So, who, who do you, who is your favorite commenter? Oh, okay, this is where I get to do shout out. It's so hard because I don't want to leave anybody out. <laughs> I know, but up the top um, of your head. I will, I will say the first shout outs go to the old, the, the, I don't want to call them old because that's, you know, for just getting better with age, but um, people who've been commenting on since Jezebel, since the beginning, mm-hmm. um, Rue says, bitch, please. Love her. She was there in the trenches through all of the nonsense. Um, Miss Nor- Norma Desmond has never said an untrue word in her life. Um, labeled Aunt Kanye. The best, the best. So many other people. Uh, everybody. No, I mean, you said a lot. <laughs> I That's said a lot. I would remember names. Kirov. Um... You said critter Not the other casting. day. Too. I don't know if we're in Jezebel land now or Gawker land. There are some dudes actually on Gawker who I'm very impressed with because they, I can tell they're white dudes and they manage not to be like such white dudes, you know? <laughs> like like I said, it's the people who get it who make me have no patience for the people who don't because it's like you could do it if you tried, if you weren't a horrible person. <laughs> or, you know, if you have, yeah. if you have we tried. Um, Skahammer, I think, is one. Skahammer? A couple. Skahammer. Skahammer is your, one of your getting, favorite? Okay. <laughs> I could be getting it wrong. Maybe think, he's a dick. I don't he's know. not a dick. Uh, he's not a dick. I no, think but, that he is always has like, um, he's always like the pervy uncle that makes like sexual comments. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I'm going to get yeah. her panties tonight. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I tolerate it. Look, okay. I mean, dudes are going to be dudes on some level. I hate to be like, you know, I mean, if they need to be called out, I 
look, not shy about calling people you cross a line. It's like, okay, no, stop there. That's enough dude from you. And ditto white people. Like, at the end of the day, like, I think also if I could throw in another. Um, so, yeah, you know, there's a certain level of that that it, it's it's good-natured. I, it's maybe mildly pervy, but I don't feel like he generally crosses lines. And if he does cross lines and you're like, hey, dude, cross in line. Usually he'll back down. He's not like, oh, oh what, what? Hey, no, bitch, why are you he, in my face? He has like, never you know? done that. No, he's never. I, I just, the last comment I engaged him with is like, he was saying something like, um, I'll talk to any girl. Like, I'll just buy her a drink and I just wait. Or some, along those lines or something. And I'm like, okay. I mean, he doesn't, it's, I don't know. I, he's, I don't dislike him. He does, he does have a shtick, like a, He's a dude, yeah. like he's a dude, but I think that's part of the reason I do like commenting on Gawker sometimes better than Jezebel. I think when you're in anyone's segregated situation, you know, and I feel that a lot as a mixed person, I think that's where a lot of my perspective on race comes from, is that I'm not in any one cat. I can't choose one side, ever, because it just, I, unless I lie to myself totally, you know? Like, I'm, oh, I'm put in a position of having to weigh at least two sides of an argument. Um, on, you know, cultural, racial issues and things like that. And I was also raised by my dad as a girl from when I was small. So mm -hmm. I, I will cop to being probably a little more male-identified, um, straight male-identified than most women. Um, but there are, there's an argument on that side, too. And I think if you get into too much of an echo chamber in any group, in any community, mm -hmm. you start to lose sight of some things. Um, and I think in a lot of I'm getting so much shit for this, but whatever. I do anyway, anytime it comes up. I think in a lot of predominantly female spaces, I understand why this need to exist. But sometimes you get lost in an echo chamber of just, you know, getting and hating everything that men do. And that's why, you know, you get dubbed man haters and whatever. And I mean, there does have to be, there do have to be face faces and moments where it's like, guys are fucking irritating because they do irritating shit that's not okay. Um, but, you know, I think and everybody's and everybody's tolerance for it varies. Like I said, I will admit that mine's probably a little bit higher because I grew up like me and a straight dude. But um, I don't know. It's viva la difference. They're charming sometimes. And at least, like I said, anybody who's willing to see reason, anybody who's willing to like maybe check their perspective and be like, oh, my bad. Really? All right. Well, I, I can I can respect that. Oh, I definitely can respect that, too. Um. Okay, this, I'm sorry, I know I said I was going to ask you just one more question, but I have another one, and it's actually kind of serious. How do you think, yeah. Korean, how can Koreans or Asians mm -hmm. be better allies? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. It's complicated. Um, <sighs> wanting to is step one. Like, caring at all, which I think a lot of us don't. Um, and I think some of that comes from, it's a very different culture too, especially if you're talking about East Asian culture mm -hmm. and it doesn't serve us well. We get in our own way. Like there's a, you know, like there's something in the culture that says like it is noble to keep your head down. And like, did you ever take Taekwondo <laughs> or piano or anything? Yeah. Where it's like it's noble to like, Take a looking and keep on ticking. Like, just work, keep your head down. Work your hardest. Don't complain. You know, just be excellent. And so the idea of people speaking up and being loud and fighting back in the way that a lot of 
black people do or are perceived to is just anathema to the culture, mm-hmm. separate from everything else. It's just a completely different culture. And I think Asian Americans, I know, Asian Americans get screwed in corporate America because of that, because it's not a meritocracy. And because I think our parents tell us and the culture tells us that, like, you know, if you just don't argue and just do good work and, like, you're strong if you can take it, you know, you're strong if you can take them oppressing you and still, especially Koreans, because, I mean, we were, right? Like, I've gotten in trouble for this on Gawker, too, but the Japanese were some mean motherfuckers. (laughs) It's amazing how much the Nazis still get taken to task for their atrocities and the Japanese somehow it doesn't get talked about. And we dropped a, an atomic bomb on Japan. Like it was serious. And so without getting too far into that, yeah, like Koreans, we like as a people been through a lot and we feel battle tested. We're proud of that. I think. Um, and I think a lot of Asian people feel that way. It's just a very different culture. So I think number one is understanding that and, not being so, I think Asian, maybe even more so, and specifically, I think understanding that difference, I think we can be even more put off by what we perceive as black anger or outspokenness than even white people. Because like I said, it's not, we're, it's, it doesn't even particularly threaten our standing. It's just, it's just so not what we do. Until we until we rage, but that's a whole other story, right? Um, and then, no, that might be the sum total of it. I mean, I think it's really, I think under, I think understanding the ways in which we could benefit from accepting and maybe even encouraging the outspokenness of Black people on these civil rights issues mm-hmm. would really transform the game. Oh, yeah, this is the final question. I'm sorry. Okay. Here we go. I'm ready. You are ready. I think Miss Jenkins is the most ready for this question. What do you want people oh, to no, know? Oh, no, it's not. Oh, no. <laughs> this is what I dreaded. Okay. What would you want people to know about Ms. Jenkins using three separate adjectives? Mm. Passionate, rational, and fair. Nice. Passionate, rational, fair. Thank you. Well, thank you for doing this call with me. It was fun. Thank you for listening to me ramble. <laughs> and for asking great questions. Thank you. Oh, yes. You got a phone call. I hear a text or something. So um, I'll see you on the main page. <laughs> There's a boy trying to text me. Ooh. Come over I know. now. I got to go see about that. Okay. Have a good time, and I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> All right. I'll see you online. Thank you. Bye.